Welcome to the Celebration Church Orlando podcast. We are so glad you've joined us, and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. Hey, can you guys put your hands together for your campus pastors, Pastor Justin and Becca Todd. They do an amazing job. Um, if you didn't know, now you know. His birthday was on Friday, and uh, so make sure to tell him happy birthday. He also takes Bass Pro Shop cards and uh, Academy Sports. If you want to bless him, hashtag bless life. Um, also, uh, Pastor Keith and Megan, um, you guys are here, and I just want to really, hold on, hold on, hold on. We're going to do that, but just hold on one second. I just want to tell you guys, uh, just publicly in front of everyone, um, Thank you guys so much for how you have led us into this new season with so much grace, so much honor and wisdom and integrity. Um, Callie and I, the whole entire staff, the whole entire church, everyone, we are so thankful for you and how you've done this. So can you guys put your hands together for them? Now you can do it. Come on. But hey, today um, I want to talk about something that's become really real to me over the past um, nine months. It was real to me before, but it's really real now because I got kids and hashtag the struggle is really real. Any parents uh, agree with me in the house? Um, I want to talk about prayer. Everybody say prayer. And the simplest definition for prayer is this, is talking to God. Say talking to God. Um, And I think it's really fitting that we're going to talk about this today, the first Sunday after our Wild Standards series. How many of you guys enjoyed that series? It was amazing. Um, but if I can be honest, here's what that series was for me, by the way, if you missed it, go check it out on on our podcast, but it was very encouraging, but it was also very challenging. Uh, And it challenged me to change some things in my life. And I I am an Enneagram three. If you don't know what it is, it means I'm an achiever. So I started mentally making a list of all the things that I had to change and how fast I needed to change it and how much I needed to fix it. And then I came to church last week and pastor Keith preached, Hey, it takes time. No shortcuts. And then he said, there's no fast pass to maturity. I made a stank face like this. I'm like, uh. And he just kindred Lamar me. He was like, be humble. Sit down. This is not about you. Uh, that's, that's, that's what happened. But, but here's the thing. Uh, on our journey, uh, becoming more like Christ, because Jesus is our standard, on that journey of trying to live and love and look like Jesus, prayer is our direct connection to the one who gives us the strength the power, and the grace to change. And so it's something that has really impacted my life. And I pray that as we talk about it today, that it would be something that impacts yours as well. So if you got your Bibles, turn to John 15. We're going to read verses 1 um, through 8 um, this morning. We're going to read eight verses of Scripture in the Bible. It's going to be great. Um, if you don't have your Bible, it'll be on the screen uh, behind me. I'm reading for the New Living Translation. And Jesus, he's talking to his disciples here. And this is really the last conversation that he's having with them before he goes to the cross, John chapter 14, 15, and 16. And in John chapter 14, he starts it off, and he's like, hey, guys, I'm going to be leaving soon. I'm going to go up to heaven. I'm going to prepare a place for you, but don't worry. I'm going to come back. And while I'm gone, I'm going to send a gift. His name is the Holy Spirit. He's going to lead you. He's going to guide you. He's going to comfort you, encourage you, and he's going to empower you. In fact, you're going to have more power to do more things than even what I've done here on earth, but in John chapter 15, he goes, but, but there's something that I need you to do. And this is where he starts off. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by, by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. I just got 10,000 steps. Thank you, Jesus. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. I don't know why I did that. Yes, I am the vine. 
and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do what? Let's say this together. Nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. And I want to read verse 5 one more time, but in the Passion Translation. I love the way that it says it. It says, I am the sprouting vine, and you are my branches. As you live in union with me is your what? Let's say this, source, fruitfulness, will stream from within you, but when you live separated from me, you are what? Powerless. Uh, This morning, if you're taking notes, the title of this sermon is Connect to the Source. Connect to the Source. Remember, notes don't get you into heaven, but they do get you in the fast pass lane. Let's pray. God, And we thank you for today. God, I thank you for your son, Jesus. God, we thank you that because of what he did on the cross over 2,000 years ago, that we all now have direct access to you. And so, God, we ask this morning, God, that we would leave here changed, not because of anything that we do or not because of who we are, God, but because of your son, Jesus. Um, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would take my words and you would tailor make them for every person in the room today. And God, I ask that you would speak. Speak to us, God. We are listening. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. All right, how many people in the room this morning, how many people have a cell phone? Come on. If you got a cell phone, go ahead, take it out, wave it at me. If you don't want to take it out, that's fine. Just wave your hand. This should be everyone, unless you're embarrassed because you have a flip phone. I understand. Or if you're a child. So let's try this again. Crowd participation. How many people have a phone? Come on. Okay. All right, that's good. Um, speaking of kids, uh, two weeks ago, my oldest daughter, Olivia, she comes home from summer camp, and she comes in the house, and she goes, Daddy, it's no longer daddy. She's losing her Nigerian accent, and I'm really sad. But she's like, daddy. And I was like, what? She's like, can I have a phone? And I go, ha no, you cannot have a phone. Why would you even ask that? I'm like, you're, you're seven. You're a kid. And she puts her hand on her hip like this. And she looks at me, and she goes, well, Olivia L. is six, and she has a phone. And I, I was laughing on the outside, but on the inside, I was thinking to myself, well, I'm not Olivia L.'s daddy. I'm Olivia E.'s daddy. And Olivia E.'s daddy is saying, you ain't getting a phone because you're a kid. But, but, but since I was laughing, and she put her hand on her hip like this, I go, where did you learn how to do that? She goes, Mommy. And then she turns around and walks away like that. And I was like, you ain't getting a phone. Don't worry about it. Um, but anyway, back to my original story. Um, how many Apple users we have in the house? Come on, God's phone, best phone. Um, all right, Android users. Okay, we're going to have a deliverance prayer for you after service, and the BlackBerry users are going to have the modesty blankets. It's going to be great. Um, but listen, these phones, they're amazing. I mean, there's so much that we can do with these phones. But if they've not been connected to the source, if they've not been connected to a power source, it can do nothing. I mean, literally, it can do nothing. You can go to your phone, and you can check your calendar. You can check your email. You can check social media. Some of you do that a lot, but I'm not going to rail on social media today. I promise. I mean, you can go, and you can watch Netflix. You can do almost anything you want. You can play games. You can play Fortnite. But don't be surprised if you play Fortnite if you're 35 and you still live with your mom. I'm just saying That's a prophetic word for someone in the house this morning. But these phones can do anything as long as they have been connected to a source. But but when they haven't, they can do nothing. I mean, it's pretty much an $800 paperweight. I want to propose to you this morning that our life is a lot like these phones. Our life is a lot like these phones. And what Jesus is talking about here in John 15 is that, like, we could be capable of everything. But everything without Jesus, it equals nothing. He's like, you need to stay connected to me. I am your source. I will give you power. I will give you strength. And then he says, if you stay connected to me, you will bear fruit, but not just fruit, much fruit. And sometimes when people say fruit in church, you're like, what does that mean? Here's what it means. It means that our lives will start to become like the life of Jesus, that the attributes that he portrayed, we would start to portray those attributes. And he's like, this is the life that I have for you. This is the life that I want for you to live. And if you stay connected to me, this will be the life that you live and it will bring glory to the Father. And so for us, as followers of Christ, this, the way that we stay connected to the source is the same way that Jesus did when he was on earth. 
It's through prayer. It's one of the most important tools that we have to stay connected to the source. But here's what I know, you know, being in church for a long time, growing up in church for a long time, and being around people like this, this is always what winds up happening is I think a lot of times we know that we should pray. I think a lot of times we're like, man, we should actually pray more. And so then we kind of get this like low-level like guilt complex because we don't pray. But guilt never moves us forward. Grace only moves us forward. And so today, here's what we're going to do. We're actually going to take a moment at the end of service. We're all going to pray together, like all across the place. Not like me praying for you, but you're going to pray for you. And you're going to pray for other people. And I believe that it's going to kickstart a new pattern in your life. And I believe if you've been living in guilt because you don't pray, you don't know how to pray, or whatever it may be, I believe that grace is going to move us forward today. And we're going to pray together. But before we do that, I have a goal. My goal is this. I know a lot of times we don't pray, and we have a lot of reasons that we don't pray, is I'm going to attack the top three barriers of why we don't pray. And I'm going to do like what it says on Mortal Kombat. I'm going to finish them. Like We're literally going to do it. And I, that's what we're going to do. And here's the thing. So what I did when I was preparing for the sermon, I went on the Google. You know, that's my best research assistant. And I was like, what's the top reasons that people don't pray? And the first one was this, is that we think we don't have time. We think um, we don't have time. How many people have used that one before? I have. I'll be the first one to raise my hand. It's okay. No judgment zone. All right. Just me and Justin. It's okay. <laughs> We're the campus pastors. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Um, anyway. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't even know what I'm doing right now. Anyway, so so many times we're like, we, we don't have the time to pray. But again, back to the phone example. We will literally rearrange our whole entire schedules to make sure that our phone gets charged. We will have chargers in every room of our house. We will have one in our car, in our glove box, in our cubicle at work, in our neighbor's cubicle. Some of us get battery cases. Some of you have a battery block in your purse or in your back pocket right now. Like, you'll do anything to make sure that your phone is charged. And just let your phone get to 5%. You will do something crazy to make sure that your phone gets charged. I have seen grown men sitting on the floors in bathrooms, in airports, just to charge their phone. Not only is that weird, it's gross. We will do anything in the world to make sure that, that our phones stay charged. I mean, we would do anything. What if we put in, like, even just half the effort to make sure that our soul, soul stays charged? What if we did that? I mean, so many times we're like, man, my phone's going to stay charged, but my soul, I mean, I'll go days, I'll go weeks, I'll go months, I'll go years, and I don't even think about that. What if we put in the same time and the same effort? Listen, when it comes to time and it comes to prayer, write this down. Any time is the right time. Just make time. Listen, any time is the right time. Just make time. I mean, I've heard people get in theological debates about, like, well, you're supposed to pray in the morning. You're supposed to pray at night. I mean, you're supposed to pray, like, when are you supposed to pray? When you look at Jesus, he just prayed all the time. In Mark 1.35, Jesus prayed early in the morning. In Luke 3.21, Jesus prayed in the middle of the day while he was getting baptized. In Luke chapter 6, verse 12, Jesus prayed at night, and he prayed all night. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus actually prayed twice in one day. I mean, Jesus, he just took the time to pray. Any time is the right time. Just make time. And here's the other thing that happens with time is we go, okay, well, how much time? How long am I supposed to spend in prayer? I mean, if you grew up like me, I grew up with those like all-night prayer lock-ins. Uh, we were Pentecostal. Yes, it's exactly what it says. They lock the doors, and you pray. And the preacher will be like this, Brother Ezel, you need to go check on Joshua that he would watch and pray and not fall into temptation. I'm like, I'm 8. It's 2 a.m. Of course I'm going to fall asleep. And so for me, I've kind of battled with that, like how, how, how long, how much time? And so here's the thing, to kind of take that off your plate and to kind of free you up a little bit. I heard a, a quote a couple years ago by an evangelist from the 20th um, century, and he was known for his powerful prayers. His name was Smith Wigglesworth, and this is what he said. He's like, I rarely pray for more than 20 minutes, but I never go more than 20 minutes without praying. 
He said, I am constantly connecting to God in prayer. I'm constantly connecting to the source. Listen, any time is the right time. Just make time. I'm going to keep on saying it because tomorrow morning when you wake up and that barrier of time pops in your head for why you're not going to pray, you're going to hear my voice in your head saying, any time is the right time. Just make time. Any time is the right time. Just make time. Come on. Any time is the right time. Just make time. Come on. Any time is the right time. Just make time. We're trying to teach our, our girls this. And um, I'm really proud of them because they're catching on. I mean, they, we will be in publics, and they will start praying for people out loud. Like, in the name of Jesus, be healed. I'm like, they can hear you. <laughs> um, but they're starting to get it. And so the other day, um, they started to get rowdy. And here's what happens at my house when the girls get rowdy. They get rowdy. They get rebellious. Someone gets hurt. They have to sit in time out. And then it's like massive meltdowns the rest of the day. And, like, the rest of our day goes downhill. And I'm like, okay. And so Callie goes, hey, girls. I need you to take a moment. I need you to decide how the rest of the day is going to go. So the girls walk in the house, and Olivia comes in, and she goes, Daddy, I need a moment. Don't follow me. I'm like, okay, we live in a college park bungalow. How far can you go? And so she goes around the corner, and I can see her reflection in a picture we have on the wall. She kneels down on the floor in the bath, in the uh, kitchen, and she folds her hands and puts her head down, and she goes, Dear God, forgive me for not listening to my mommy and daddy. And I was like, check bark, win. And she's like, Help me to calm down. Help me to listen and obey. Give me the mind of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. And I was like, hey. But here's what's awesome. She stayed there. And she was silent for a minute after that. And if you know Olivia, that's a miracle in itself. And then she pops up and she comes around the corner and she goes, Daddy, I know what we're supposed to do. I'm like, okay, what? She's like, God told me we're supposed to take communion. I was like, all right, let's take communion. So we took communion and the rest of our day went great. But here's the thing. I was so proud of her. Because we're teaching her anytime is the right time to pray. Just make time to pray. Just do that. And she chose in that moment to pray before it got crazy. How many times do we choose to pray after it gets crazy? She chose to make time to pray. And, and, but here's the biggest thing that I, I think we, we, we spend our time on. And it's kind of for me, I think it's, it's my own thing that I, that I know I deal with. Is we spend a lot of time connecting to resources but not the source. And it's dangerous because the power's in the source, not in the resource. Uh, let me explain. Have you read that book? This book is so good. Does it have the Bible in it? Oh, there's some verses. You can highlight them, whatever. I mean, like, whatever. I mean, did, did you hear that podcast? That podcast literally changed my life. Did you hear this person's latest sermon? Fire emoji, fire emoji, praise hands. I mean, that, that's what we do. And we spend so much time connecting to the resource that we neglect the source. But the power is not in the resource. The power is in the source. And here's my fear is if we keep doing that, in the body of Christ, what we're going to do is we're going to settle for thrift shop Christianity, which means we're going to be living in somebody else's hand-me-down faith. We're going to be trying to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ based on someone else's second-hand revelation and expect first-hand results. The power is not in the resource. The power is in the source. So if you're going to take time to connect to the resource, take time to connect to the source. Anytime is the right time. Come on, just make time. The second one is this, is that we think we don't know how to pray. We think we don't know how to pray. Um, again, I grew up in church. So this one, I use this one a lot. I'm like, do I pray in the King James Version, the New King James Version? I really like the Rick James Version. That's the best one. I mean, you don't pray in the message version where I was from where somebody would judge you. I mean, like, how, how do I pray? Do I need to get down on my knees? Do I need to fold my hands? I mean, do I need to close my eyes because I'm in traffic? That's going to be a problem. I mean, we can put so many barriers in our way when we think about, like, how to pray. But here's the thing. If you can talk and you can listen, you can pray. Listen, if you can talk and you can listen, you can pray. Um, the other day, uh, we were praying. Again, we're trying to teach our girls how to do it. And so it was before the girls were supposed to wake up. 
And uh, so when they, whenever they get up before they're supposed to wake up, they, like, tiptoe out. And they saw me out there praying. And they go, Daddy, can we pray with you? And I'm like, yes, you can pray with me. And so they come over, and we're praying. And, and, and they go hard, man. They're, like, kneeling down like this. They get on their face. I mean, they're, they're praying. They're doing everything. But then all of a sudden, I look over, and I realize my youngest daughter, Mia, she has on a shirt, but she has on no pants. She's naked. And I'm like, Mia, do you want to go put on pants? And she's like, no, Daddy, I'm fine. I'm like, are you, are you sure you don't want to put on pants? And she goes, Daddy, I'm praying like David did in the Bible. I'm like, what five-year-old kid knows that David prayed and thank God naked? I don't even know. Listen, if you can talk, you can listen, you can pray. You can even pray naked, okay? Just a little thing there. It might help your marriage out, just saying. <laughs> I don't even know where that came from. That's just like, blue. Um, but here's what I know. For me, <laughs> for me, when I pray, um, I, I, I tend to get distracted a little bit. And so for me, one of the things that I, that I have that I use in my life, it's a tool, it's a framework. It is not a formula. I'm going to say that again as I kind of use a plan when I go into my times of prayer um, with God. And, and listen, Jesus' disciples, they asked him, man, teach us how to pray. They could have asked him to teach them anything in the world. They could have said, teach us how to change water into wine. It's a great party trick. Teach us how to walk on water. I mean, I'll make a lot of money in Vegas. But they didn't. They said, teach us how to pray. And what he gave them was a framework. And he gave them some things that they should consistently have in their moments of prayer. And so I want to give you uh, guys one of the things that I've used since I was 12 years old. Um, and some of you may have heard this before. And it's okay. But it spells out the words acts. And it's kind of a framework for when we go to our times in prayer to help us not get distracted. Um, the first one is this, is adoration. Adoration. So when Jesus starts to teach his disciples how to pray, he says, Say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That word hallowed, what it means is to make great, to make much of. So when we go to God in prayer, listen, again, you don't have to do it in this order. These are just some things that will help you in your times of prayer. But we can go to God and say, God, you are great. God, you are faithful. God, you are good. I mean, sometimes I'm like, God, you are wise, and I am not. I mean, whatever it is, you're making great of the name of God. And maybe you're in here, you're like, I don't even know if I believe that yet. Do you know that you can go to God and say, look, I don't believe it yet, but the word of God says that you are good. The word of God says that you are faithful. The word of God says that you are great. So I'm just trusting that you are good and you are faithful and you are great. We start off with that with adoration. The next one is C, confession. Confession. I think this is such a huge part of prayer. I mean, it's in the Lord's Prayer. It's like, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Also, 1 John 1, 9 says, if we will confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. I believe it's almost impossible to start focusing on the character of God and not realize some things in your life that you need to align with the character of God. And so that's what it is. I mean, we can be in prayer, and maybe it's something big you need to say. But maybe sometimes it's just like, you know what? I got angry at my boss yesterday. I mean, I got angry at my wife. I got angry at my kids. I got angry when I was in traffic on I-4. I mean, what are they doing? Why did they move the exit again? It's just taking a moment to, to get things back right with God. T, Thanksgiving. I mean, this is like the old school thing. You're just counting your blessings. Anybody ever heard that before? You're just counting your blessings. And maybe you feel like you don't have a lot to like Count your blessings with. Maybe you feel like you don't have a lot to thank God for. Just start small. Be like, God, I thank you that I'm alive today. Actually, that ain't small. That's big. I thank you that I got breath in my lungs. I thank you that I have clothes on my back. I thank you that I made it to this exam that I had on time. God, I thank you I made it to church today. Some of you made it to church today. That's awesome. Like, I thank you I made it to church on time and my kids didn't kill anyone, whatever it may be. Listen, that's just the season I'm in. You just start thanking God for those things. And when I was six years old, my dad taught me one of the things that I'll never forget about Thanksgiving. And she said, Josh, it's hard to say thanks without a smile on your face. Everybody say thanks really quick. Thanks. It's like a natural smile. Something starts to change on the inside of you when you begin thanking God. And the last one is this, is supplication. And 
And really what this is, it's a big word, but it's just asking God, petitioning God. And, and really the word supplication, it actually means like going and pleading for the life of someone. That's what it means in the Greek when it's used in Philippians 4, 6. But we're just asking God, asking God for the things that are important to you. Listen, people say, what can I pray about? If it's important to you, it's important to God. Our girls right now, they're like, God, we want a house that has four bathrooms so we can all use the bathroom at the same time. I'm like, okay, that's important to them. It's important to God. And maybe you're in here, you're like, okay, my prayer life is good. Like, I don't need any of this. You know what you can start doing? You can start asking on behalf of someone else. As followers of Christ, we do it every single week here, actually, in prayer and praise. We are standing in the gap for people. It's called intercessory prayer, where we actually petition God on behalf of other people. But don't be surprised when you start petitioning God on behalf of other people if God goes, you're the answer. Don't be surprised if you start praying for your friend who's going through something. Like, man, they're they're going through it financially, God. I just pray that someone will bless them. And God's like, ha-ha, that's you. Go bless them. Don't be surprised if you're walking out of church today and you look at the needs wall and you're like, man, God, there's a lot of needs. I pray somebody meets those needs. God's like, hey, that's you. Go do it. Don't be surprised if you're walking out of church today and you see the serve thing, the sign up for serve day out there. and And you're like, God, I pray people sign up for serve day. And God's like, hey, that's you. Don't be surprised if when you start asking God on behalf of others, if he says, hey, you know what, you're the answer. And then if you really want to switch it up, like a lot, instead of asking God to bless your life, ask God to let your life bless him in those moments. It's so powerful. Listen, if you can talk and you can listen, you can pray. The third and final barrier is this, and the band can come out, is that we think prayer doesn't work. How many people have thought that before? Come on, it's all right. We can be honest. Okay, again, just me. It's all good. Here's the thing. I think we can really fool ourselves into believing that prayer doesn't work. I mean, we can look through the Bible and the life of Jesus, and we can see where prayer works. We can look all throughout the Bible and see where prayer works. We can look at the disciples and see where prayer works. But somehow, I think some of us have fallen for the lie that it stopped working when the Bible was done being written. I think sometimes we think, well, maybe prayer worked then, but prayer doesn't work now. I mean, we take scriptures like Hebrews 13, 8 that says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and we just, we just kick them out of the way because we're like, well, maybe pray work, prayer worked then. But I feel like prayer doesn't work now. And when we do that, here's, what, here's why it becomes such a barrier. Here's why it becomes such a hindrance. Because if we truly believe that prayer doesn't work, we will say, what's the point to pray? And then we won't even pray. What's the point to prayer? And then we won't pray if we really believe that prayer doesn't work. And can I just be vulnerable with you guys for a minute? Is that okay? Is that cool? Don't you hate when preachers ask that question? We're going to say no. I mean, but uh, I really felt like on Easter Sunday, it was the last time that I preached, and I got home that night, and I was praying uh, because I was just like, God, I pray that all these people that made decisions to follow you today, God, that they would become disciples, and they would walk their life out on a journey with you. And, and I felt like God was like, next time you preach, I want you to preach on prayer. And I was like, okay, cool. I don't know when that's going to be, but all right. It sounds good. And so in that moment, I started putting, like, notes together and things together. I mean, I had notes on my phone from some of the prayers that I prayed when we were in Nigeria and all these other things. And I was like, all right, I'm going to start putting this thing together. And, and I was like, I'll be good. And so then last week I talked to Pastor Keith, and he's like, hey, I want you to preach. Um, the following week after a while standing, I was like, okay, sounds good. And then the Sunday was Father's Day. And on Father's Day, it was a great first Father's Day, but my computer got stolen out of my truck. They had all my sermon notes on it, and I didn't back them up to the cloud. I know, that's another message in itself. <laughs> and so I lost all that stuff. And so, and then on Tuesday, Monday and Tuesday, um, we dealt with some behavioral issues with the girls that we thought were completely gone. Um, and there's some behavioral issues that happen in adoption that are, that are different than some things. And, and so we were just like, okay, we thought they were gone. We've been praying for these to leave. They were gone for a week, and now they're back. 
Uh, and then on Wednesday, we, we kind of hit a financial situation that we didn't know was going to happen. On Thursday, our landlord calls and says, hey, um, we're going to sell the house you're living in, so you need to move. And I mean, that, I know that may not be a big thing to some people, but again, in adoption, they tell you the first year, like, you don't move or change anything, like, to kind of help out uh, that, that period of bonding and attachment. And so then um, on Friday, um, I was like, I got a reprieve until we rode the rock and roller coaster at um, Hollywood Studios, and I didn't know it went upside down. And uh, my phone uh, was in my pocket. I know all you guys like, oh. I, I was convinced it was gone, and then I stood, and then we were sitting there, Olivia prayed, God, let Daddy find his phone. It had somehow gotten stuck behind my back in that. Anyway, so I did get a reprieve that day. Uh, Saturday, Sunday comes around, and then Monday, I'm like, all right, I'm going to finish working on this sermon. I know God told me to do it. I, I'm, it's going to be great. Monday, Tuesday, go by. Nothing. I can't get it to work out. Wednesday, I, I'm still trying to, like, figure it all out. And, I mean, I actually already talked with Pastor Keith about what I was going to preach about. This is completely different than what I told him, by the way. And... Uh, Hope you don't mind. Um, but then on Wednesday, like, I still can't figure it out. And there's this little, like, office that we have that's kind of away from all the other offices um, at our church offices. And I went in there, and for almost the whole entire day, minus 30 minutes, I prayed. I read the whole book of Luke, the whole book of John. I read all the prayers of Jesus. I read all the prayers in the book of Nehemiah. I read Daniel's prayers. I mean, I was, I was, I was like, God, I, I ain't got nothing, so I don't, all I know how to do is pray and then hope that you, you give me something because I'm not making sense of all this stuff. And then still nothing. Thursday morning, we get into our service uh, over, like, run-through meeting where we talk about the service um, for the week. And um, we're going through it. And as we're going through it, everybody's like, hey, what's this weekend going to be like? I'm like, I know we're going to pray at the end. That's all I know, and it's going to be great. Like, what are you going to preach on? I don't know. But Leslie, I'll have you in my notes by 12 p.m. I didn't get them to her until yesterday at 12 uh, p.m. in the afternoon. I'm sorry about that. But I just I had nothing going on. So Thursday I get home, and I'm like, God, I really thought, like, this is what I was supposed to preach on. But, I mean, maybe I'm not. So I go, Callie, I'm going to take the dog for a walk. And I'm just going to pray. And so I'm taking the dog for a walk, and I'm praying. And then all of a sudden I have this thought come into my head, and it goes, maybe you're not supposed to preach on prayer. And I go, okay, maybe I'm not supposed to preach on prayer. And I like start to get sad. And I think my dog feels bad for me because he gets close to me and he's getting sad too. And, and, then, and then the next thought was this. I mean, why are you preaching on prayer anyway? Like your prayer life's not perfect. And I was like, you're, yeah, you're right, okay. And so I, I, I keep going. And, and then the next thought that I have is like, maybe you forgot how to preach. It's been too much. Maybe you just forgot how to do it all together. And I was like, that's also a possibility. And I, I keep going. And then this next thought comes to my head. It was like, oh, yeah, and don't forget, this Sunday is the first time you're going to preach for your new boss. Don't mess up. And then I have another thought, and it goes, you're going to tell people on Sunday that prayer works, but you have things that you have been praying for in your life and situations that you have been praying for, and you have not seen anything happen in those situations. And you're going to get up there, and you're going to tell people that prayer works? And I was like, oh, man. And then the next question was the question that changed it all. And I was like, you could have asked any other question, Brain, but you had to ask this one. I said, when have you seen prayer work? And I was like, okay, all right, here's my chance. And so I started giving thanksgiving to God in that moment. I started recounting every time that I had seen prayer work in my life. I mean, I started all the way back from when I was a kid. I'm walking through College Park. I got snot going down my face. I got tears going because I'm telling God every time that I remember seeing prayer work in my life. I'm telling God about a few years ago when my dad was diagnosed with stage four cirrhosis of the liver. And the doctor said, hey, you know what? He's got one to three years to live at best, and he will not get better. And I remember God telling me in that moment, Josh, it's your turn to pray for your dad like he's prayed for you. So you know what I did? I started praying for my dad. My whole family did. Six months later, he starts to get better. One year later, it's completely gone. It's a miracle. God, I remember that. 
And so I keep going, and I keep going. And as I keep going, I'm like, God, I remember when you told me to adopt those two little girls. And I remember the financial mountain that it was. And I remember every time I would look at it, I would go, God, these are your daughters too, and you're going to take care of it. And he did. And I remember when I was in Nicaragua on a missions trip, and there was a man who he could not see. He was blind. And we prayed for him, and all of a sudden, he could see. And he jumped up and down. He could not believe it. And I remember a little five-year-old boy in Honduras. Listen to this. He could not speak. He had never spoken a word in his life. And I remember us praying for this little five-year-old boy. And at the same time, I'm thinking of my little five-year-old girl. And when we prayed for him, he began to speak. And the first words that he said out of his mouth were, Jesus es mi sanador, which means Jesus is my healer. And I remember the look on his mother's face because she had never heard his voice. She had tears streaming down her face. I'm telling you, prayer works. God might convince somebody else of it, but you will never convince me that prayer does not work. And here, here's the thing. And I'd love to tell you that all those other situations that I've been praying for in that moment that they changed, guess what, they didn't. But you know what changed in that moment? Me, because ultimately what works in prayer is that prayer changes you. Prayer changes you. It's not about you getting God's attention. It's about you giving your attention to God. So when you need peace and you go and you pray to the one who is peace, you find peace. When you pray to the one who is hope, you find hope. When you connect to the source of joy, you find joy. You find hope. You find peace. You find strength. You find power. Listen, prayer works. So here's what we're going to do. Y'all can stay standing all across the place. We're going to pray today. And I believe that you're going to see some things happen in your life. And we're going to go through that Acts prayer model. But before we do that, listen, there's some people in here who you need to connect to the source for the first time. You need to connect to Jesus. You need to commit your life to him. There's some people in here you need to reconnect to him for the first time in a long time. And look, we're going to do something different. Every head up. We ain't going to bow our head and close our eyes. Listen, if you're in here and you say, you know what, I need to connect to Jesus, I need to commit my life to Him, or I need to recommit my life to Him today, I need to connect to the source, I need to connect to Him because He is the only way to heaven. And the Bible says if you believe in your heart that He died and rose again, you confess with your mouth, it starts with prayer, that He is Lord, you are saved, and you are now connected to Him. If you're in the house and you say, you know what, I want to commit or recommit my life to Christ today, I'm going to ask that you would be bold and you would lift your hands right now in front of everybody on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three, raise them. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. All right, come on, let's say this prayer together. Dear God, I thank you for your son, Jesus. I believe that he died on the cross and he rose again for me. Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church. Can we celebrate that one more time? Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Orlando or to get in touch with us, please visit celebrationorlando.org.